I have the joy of reading the Bible together, and after this, Meredith will take us through all ages. So we're in John chapter 8, uh, verse 48, all the way to the end of the chapter, which is 59. So let's read. You can follow on the screen as well, if that's helpful. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this they exclaimed, now we know you are demon-possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets, and yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not... I will be a liar like you, but I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. But you are not 50 years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. And at this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. This is the word of the Lord. G'day, everyone. My name is Scott. It's really good to be with you this morning. I want to start today by telling you about a guy I recently met. He's in his 20s, and as he told me about growing up, it sounded to me like his life was just a whole bunch of worlds colliding all together. So he had come from a Hindu family... Uh, but he'd been sent to a Christian high school. But even there, most of the friends he had were actually not religious at all. They kind of effectively were living life as atheists. Uh, So this is the world he's growing up in, and he's getting older and starting to make decisions for himself, and and eventually he gets to the point where he needs to figure out, well, well, how do I actually know about God? Which God should I choose? Or, or, Or should I choose no God at all? How do I figure this question out? Uh, this guy was quite studious, right? So he decided, oh, well, I'm going to look into all of them. So he, 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 he digged into Hinduism for a bit and sees what Hinduism says. And then uh, what about Christianity and its claims? And then what about atheism and how do I understand that? And, and, and that, and that worldview and gets to the end of doing all this and he realizes actually there's, there's still much more to do, isn't there? Uh, so he has to check out Islam and Judaism and the Sikh religion and so on and so on. This was a really fascinating conversation. You can tell that the guy is uh, very studious, right? He, he wants to look into things. He's keen to figure it out. And it makes sense because he realizes this is actually important. Whatever he chooses now is going to affect him for the rest of his life, right? It's a big decision. So how do you choose a God? Is it just the one that you happen to like the best? Is it the one that makes most sense to you? Or you're perhaps like... A person I read about in this book this week. The book is called A Spectator's Guide to World Religions. Uh, and in there, the author describes it. I'll, I'll read it to you. He says, 
I once overheard a group of quite obviously non-religious 20-somethings discussing things spiritual. They were guests at a rather loud dinner party on the balcony next door and short of leaving the balcony I was on, it was difficult not to eavesdrop. In the course of conversation, one of the guests offered a personal evaluation of Western religion compared with Eastern religion and with Buddhism in particular. He said with confidence, Western religion is too full of commandments for me. I prefer the Buddhist system. It doesn't have any of those onerous rules. Is that how you choose a religion? Just the one that will fit best with your life, the one that will mean you need to change the least. Our church here, I know you guys have been looking at this series, what do you think God is like? Earlier in the year, you spent a lot of time going, asking your friends that question. It was quite interesting, right? In our church, we did the same thing. Stacks of great responses, lots of great conversations. And now we're taking some time to look at some of the top responses there. We're spending four Sundays across these, and a lot of the responses we got were actually about different gods. That is, not the Christian god. So, one person spoke to a Hindu friend. And this Hindu woman spoke about the many gods of her religion and the one God behind them all who is unknowable. Another person spoke to their Muslim friend who spoke about God being all-merciful and ever-present because that is how Muslims understand Allah. Or another person spoke to their Sikh friend who responded and said, look, I don't really know what your God is like. I'm a Sikh, but so let me tell you about my religion and so on and so on. Lots of great conversations, right? And so today we're exploring this idea. There are many gods out there. So how do I figure out which one I should follow? That's where we're headed today. To get us started, I wanted to tell you about a time when I went door knocking. Yes, I've been one of those guys who knocks on your door and wants to talk about Jesus before. Um, Actually, a lot of the time you do that, you end up meeting some fascinating people and having quite long conversations, like this time I want to tell you about now. I was with a friend, and and this particular day, this was the first door we knocked on, uh, and a a woman answered the door, and she invited us to come in. We had a conversation for about an hour or so with her. It was wonderful. Uh, She described herself as having a lot of spiritual ideas. We talked about Jesus with her. She gave us her idea of Jesus. But then as the conversation moved on, she said something really interesting, and it stayed with me ever since. She said, imagine like there's an elephant and around the elephant are, are, are blind men. They can't see the elephant, but each of them kind of goes up to the elephant and, and touches a bit of it. Uh, the first guy, he has hold of the elephant's legs and he says, oh, this thing, it's, 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 it's big and round and it's hard and it's connected to the ground. You can, see, you can feel it goes all the way to the ground. The next guy's got hold of the elephant's trunk. He says, no, 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 you're wrong, mate. I don't know what's wrong with you, but you're wrong. Like This thing, it's round, yes, but it's not so big. I can get my hands around it. It's also quite squishy, and, and it doesn't go down to the ground. It's connected to something up there. The last guy is holding on to the tail, and he says, you, both of you guys are bonkers. This thing is so small, I can fit my fingers around it. And, and it's kind of hairy, and it smells a bit back here as well, but... And she said to us, that's kind of what the religions are like. We are like blind people. We can't actually see God to know him, but we're like blind people trying to just 
describe the bits and pieces of God that are real. So we might say things that are different to each other, but ultimately we're all on about the same thing, the same God. Perhaps you've heard this idea before too. Uh, a similar thing is said when people talk about a mountain. You know, there's many different paths that you can take, but all of them ultimately lead to the top of the mountain. Both the elephant and the mountain, uh, they're ways of describing the different religions of our world, and they all say this, that, that ultimately all the religions are on about the same God. You've heard this idea before? If we're honest, there is something really appealing about this idea, isn't there? Because it means we don't have to disagree. We can forget about our differences because in the end, whatever or whoever you worship, it's going to end up well for you. So, so what you need to do is just choose the God that you like best, the God that you want to follow, and go all in with that God. There's something about this that sounds great. It's a bit, you can see why people would want this to be true. But if you think about it, it doesn't really work, does it? There may be some similarities between many of the religions, but, but they differ on core beliefs, things at the centre of their faith. They differ on things like how many gods they are or, or the nature of God. They differ on who we are as humans and our, our purpose in life and the way we're supposed to live in this life. They differ on, on, on what comes after this life. That is, the different religions are not different paths climbing the same mountain. They can't be because the paths are going in completely different directions. They're climbing completely different mountains. And actually, to say these differences don't matter that's actually not really listening well to the people who hold the different faiths, is it? Like, I know you'd never do this, but, but imagine for a moment you, you, you walked up to a, a, a Buddhist person and you said to them, oh, friend, look, the things that make you a Buddhist and, and not a Hindu, they don't really matter all that much. Why can't we just forget about them? You'd never do that, would you? Or imagine walking up to a Muslim person and saying, look, look, friend, the things that make you a Muslim and not a Jew, they are just unimportant. Let's just forget about them. It's not really a big deal. You'd never do that thing. It'd be so arrogant of you, wouldn't it? Because you'd be assuming that you know about their faith better than they know about their faith. It'd be like having a friend who loves cats. And one day you decide to bring them a gift and you bring them a small dog and you say, oh, look, this is going to be great, isn't it? And they kind of give you a strange look like, you know, I love cats. What's this dog thing doing in my house now? And you say, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. Look, all your cats here, I've seen them. I've been here before, right? Each of them, they've got four legs and a tail and it's the same with this thing, so you're going to love it, right? It doesn't work, friends. As nice as the idea of the blind man and the elephant is, as appealing as it is that the religions are really all on about the same thing, when you think about it, they can't be on about the same God or gods. So we are left with that question. How do you figure out which God? How do you know what God is like? What I want to do over the next few moments is to take a quick dive into Christianity 
And I want to show, what I want to show is how a Christian might answer this question. Christianity says you don't have to reach up to the heavens to try to understand God, to figure out God, because God has actually shown up here in our world. He's reached down to us to tell us what he is like and he's done it in the person of Jesus. Did you know that Jesus claimed to be God? In the Bible, that's exactly what he does. You see it in Jesus' life. He, he speaks with authority like no other. No other religious teacher spoke with the same authority Jesus did. He, he does God-like things in front of crowds of people. You know, the, the healings, the, the, the feeding of the many people with just a little bit of food. But you, know, you also see it in what other people said about him. Uh, Thomas was one of the earlier followers of Jesus. He believed, he's a Jew, so he believed there's one God, and yet this is what he said about Jesus. My Lord and my God. The Bible is saying again and again that Jesus is God, but of course you see this very clearly in Jesus' own words. I want to take us back to that part of the Bible that Luke read out earlier on. Uh, this is from John's Gospel. John was one of the earliest followers of Jesus and he spent around three years following Jesus around and later on he wrote about all that he saw Jesus doing and saying. And So we're picking this up in John chapter 8. Jesus has been arguing with the Jewish leaders. They're just called the Jews there. And Jesus has been saying that he can give people eternal life and the Jewish leaders, they do not like this. So they try to undermine him. They call him a Samaritan. And Samaritans and the Jews, they don't get along, so this is an insult at the person. Uh, they call him a Samaritan. They say he's demon-possessed. And then they remind Jesus about some of the greats from their past, the greats of their faith, Abraham and the prophets. These guys, Jesus, these are the greats of our faith, and they died. And here you are, Jesus. You're a nobody, and you say you can give eternal life? Jesus doesn't back down at this, though. He responds, he says, you know, Abraham, he is a great, and he rejoiced about what I'm doing. The Jewish leaders, no, 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 Jesus, you're crazy, right? You're not even 50 here. And they're probably right. Jesus is probably at this stage in his early 30s. You're not even 50, and Abraham's been dead for ages. We're talking 2,000 years. How can you say Abraham saw what you're doing? That's, that's craziness, right? And then something quite strange actually happens. I want to read out to you again, uh, John chapter 8, verses 58 and 59. Here's what it says. Uh, Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself slipping away from the temple grounds. Now, I reckon there's at least two strange things about these verses. Firstly, did no one ever teach Jesus about grammar? Before Abraham was born, I am. That just doesn't make any sense at all, does it? Like, uh, and second strange thing, what makes the Jews want to kill Jesus all of a sudden? Like, it's, it's a bit of an overreaction, isn't it? Like, what, what's going on here? Are they really that angry? But actually, these two things are related together. 
It's not bad grammar here. Jesus is making a claim. Uh, Let me give you some background here. In the Old Testament, there's a guy called Moses, really important to the Jewish faith. A guy called Moses, and, and, and Moses actually meets God. And God tells Moses his name, I am. That's the name of God. And here, Jesus, in John chapter 8, Jesus is calling himself, I am. Jesus is saying, he's God. And the Jewish leaders, they understand this. That's why they want to kill him. That's why they pick up the stones. This is blasphemy. A man can't say he's God and they reach for their stones because that's exactly what Jesus is doing. He's saying, I am God in the flesh, standing right before you today. Incredible. At this point, it's worth clarifying. Jesus isn't saying he's a second God or a different God. He's not this new God on the block. This is where the idea of the Trinity comes from. The God of Christianity is Trinity, that is three in one. Christians have always spoken about God as being one. There's one God, one being, and yet he's also three persons, Father, Son and Spirit. And this is not three gods, but actually the one God who exists as three persons. And maybe you're sitting here today and you hear that, and you think, oh, that, just sounds, that just sounds whacked out, doesn't that? That sounds completely complex. Like, what's going on here? And you might be right. That is, it is a pretty hard thing. But if you think about it, we are talking about God here. We are his creatures. Shouldn't there be some things that are complex for us to understand him? Shouldn't we expect that God would boggle our minds? Here we see in John chapter 8, Jesus claiming to be God, that he is the Son, the second person of the Trinity, and he's come to us as a human. And if this is true, friends, it has big implications. It means, well, it means we don't have to search out to know who God is because God has reached down to us. He's become one of us, so we can know him. It means we're not blind men reaching out, trying to describe whatever part of the elephant we happen to touch. No, the claim of Christianity is that the elephant has spoken. God has told us what he's like. Christianity says, look, if you want to know God, go to Jesus. Go look at Jesus, because he is God himself, God in the flesh. While we're doing this quick dive into Christianity, perhaps it's worth me saying one more thing. Uh, Most of the world religions, right, they're more than a moral code. They give you more than just, you know, tell you how to live. Most religions have some kind of uh, a goal or purpose, something they're aiming for, right? So um, for the Muslim, what you're aiming for is paradise. That's where you want to end up at. If you're a Buddhist, you want to reach the state of nirvana. If you're a Hindu, you want to be released from this cycle of reincarnation and return to Brahman. And if you're a Christian, you want to get to the new creation in your new resurrection body. Okay. So each of the religions, they, they, they have a, a goal, a name, something that, that they're hoping for, a future. But also, then each religion will tell you how to get there. So the Muslim, uh, the Muslim wants to go to paradise... And so she submits herself to Allah by keeping the five pillars of the Muslim faith. 
That's what she has to do. The Buddha, the, the, sorry, the Buddhist, he, he wants to reach a state of nirvana. So what he does is he, he seeks enlightenment by ending his cravings. And to do this, he follows the eightfold path, things like uh, right understanding, right aim, right speech, and so on. That's what the, the, the Buddhist has to do. The Hindu wants to be released from the cycle of reincarnation, and so she has three choices. She can follow the path of duty, the path of knowledge, or the most common one, the path of devotion to a particular god. That's what the Hindu has to do. Now, I, I, let me make a point here. I'm not saying this to pay out on the other faith. That's not my intention. I, I just want to be fair to what their faith actually say. And I want to point out as, as well here, one way that I think Christianity is different and distinct. Did you notice in, in Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, all the religions, you reach your goal, you get to where you want to go. How? It's by what you do, right? You keep the five pillars, you follow the eightfold path, you, 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 you follow the path of devotion to your God, or so on. It's about what you do here. And this is where I think Christianity is very different. See, Christians, don't, we're aiming for the new creation, but we don't get there because of what we do. We get there because of what's already been done for us. Not do, but done. Most religions will have something that stops you reaching your goal. You know, there's a problem with humanity. In Christianity, that, that problem is called sin. Sin is the idea that I reject God. I say no to God. I don't want him to be part of my life. I want to run things my own way. Uh, and so you might think, well, what does a Christian need to do to get to the new creation then? Um, they must have to stop sinning, right? Or, or at least have, have, have less sin and, and more good deeds so that the, the good deeds outweigh the bad things, right? Or, or maybe if they do sin, what Christians need is a way to atone for their sin, to, to work it off somehow, something like this. Right? But, but no, again, Christianity is not about what we do. It's about what's been done for us. It's about what Jesus himself has done for us. Jesus lived the perfect life. For him there was no sin, no rejection of God. And yet he died. More than that, actually, Jesus died under the wrath of God. God's anger was against him. He died taking punishment for sin. You think, why? We said before Jesus didn't do anything. What's going on here? Is God just completely unjust? But no, no, no. What Jesus was doing here is stepping in. We, he didn't sin, but we did. Jesus stepped in. He became a substitute. He took our place. Who here knows about the Hunger Games? Hey, stick your hand up. Don't be afraid. It's a good, good, good series. Yeah. Um, wildly popular series of books turned into a massive movie franchise. Let me tell you a little bit about The Hunger Games, okay? Uh, Hunger Games is set in a post-apocalyptic world and there's this place called Pan Am. And in Pan Am, there's a capital city, which is very creatively called the capital. Uh, and the capital is full of the wealthy people. Right? These are the upper crust. They're all in the one place, the capital. And outside the capital, there are these 12 districts. These are poorer areas ruled by the capital. At some point in the past, the 12 districts have rebelled against the capital, tried to, to fight a war against them, but they were defeated, crushed. And a cruel form of punishment began, reminding the districts never to rebel against the capital again. 
What is this? It's called the Hunger Games. Each year now, each of the 12 districts must give two tributes, one boy, one girl, aged between 12 and 18. They're selected by lottery. Literally, this thing, this wheel goes round and round. They pick out a name out. And, 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 and if you win the lottery, you are forced then to fight a battle to the death against all the other people uh, whose names are drawn out that year, a battle to the death until one victor remains. And in this world, we meet uh, someone called Katniss. She's 16 and she lives in District 12. It's the poorest of the districts. Her dad has died about four years ago and since then her mum's never really recovered from that. Uh, and Katniss therefore has been mostly responsible for raising her younger sister who's uh, just turned 12. Her, her name is Primrose. They've all got weird names for some reason. But... And it's nearly time for the next Hunger Games battle and so the lottery is held and we pick it up in District 12 and whose name is drawn out for the lottery? But it's Primrose, it's the little sister. Katniss, her older sister, she knows this can only end one way for her little sister, death. So in a moment of love and protection, she steps forward and volunteers to be the tribute. She volunteers to take her sister's place. She's the substitute. She goes into the battle of death so her sister can go free. Friends, that is what Jesus has done for us. He has stepped in for us. He's our substitute. He has stepped into the place of death for us so that we can go free. Look at how one part of the Bible puts it. It says, For Christ, that is Jesus, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous, the good guy, for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Jesus takes the punishment for our sin so that we don't have to. He is the substitute. Do you see here, Christianity is not about what I do. It's about what Jesus has already done for me. Okay, why mention this? Well, it's, it's the heart of the Christian message. It's also a, a point of, of great difference between Christianity and the other religions. Not do, but done. But also, friends, this shows us what the Christian God is like. He is merciful. He's gracious. He is a giver. It's, it's, it's stunning, isn't it? I should move to wrap things up. Um, I realised today, I, I couldn't possibly have, have convinced everybody here that the Christian God is the real God. I, I couldn't possibly have proven this beyond all doubt. And we could go on and talk about some of the evidence, things like the, the evidence for Jesus actually resurrecting, uh, the reliability of the Bible and how it hasn't changed over time and all sorts of other stuff, right? And catch me later if you'd like to talk about these things. But as we think about which God, today I, I really hope we've seen just two things. Firstly, if you want to know what the Christian God is like, the place you need to go is Jesus. And second thing, one big difference, big difference between the Christian God and the other gods is this. The Christian God won't accept you based on what you do. The Christian God will accept you based on what Jesus has done for you and that is good news, friends. 
As you've seen these two things, I hope it's enough so that you're asking, well, could Jesus actually be this God in the flesh? What if this is true? And if it's true, it's actually really good news for us, isn't it? Perhaps it's right then to end by suggesting some next steps. Uh, Whether you're sceptical of any God, whether you're currently following a different God, whether you're sure about nothing, what, what could it look like for you to investigate, to look into Jesus a bit more? I'm going to say three things really quick, I promise. Okay, number one, you're probably here because you have a Christian friend. Why not ask them why they follow Jesus? What is it that convinced them? Why do they love, what do they love about him? Second thing, why not check out Jesus for yourself? I've talked today a couple of times from, from John's Gospel. Uh, it's an ancient biography of Jesus' life. Look, there's uh, copies of John's Gospel. They look like this. They're up uh, in a survey near where you're going to get coffee and tea later on. Why not just take one for yourself? It's yours. And look, just read through. There's only 50 pages here. It's pretty quick to get through. Check out Jesus for yourself that way. Uh, third thing, come along to the Life Series. Amanda's already told us about it. Um, life, it runs over uh, four weeks. Instead of par, but it's, it's, it's pretty chill. It's relaxed. We'll just give you the key things about Christianity. If you're the kind of person that wants to ask a question, you can ask a question and go for it. If you want to just sit back and take it all in, do that. But come along because there you'll get the info that you need to make a call about Jesus for yourself. It's time for me to step down though now. Um, Amanda, back over to you.